So here's the thing. If you have a podcast about the Berenstain Bears, that means that every week you have to do a podcast about the Berenstain Bears, which means that once a week you have to sit down with someone or by yourself and talk about the Berenstain Bears. Even if you don't want to talk about the Berenstain Bears, even if you don't want to think about the Berenstain Bears, even if the last thing on your mind is the Berenstain Bears. Even if the thought of reading a Berenstain Bears book might very well be the thing that pushes you completely over the edge, you know that you have to sit down that week and record yourself talking about the Berenstain Bears. It's part of having a show. It's part of having an audience who expects something about the Berenstain Bears that week. And honestly, this isn't what I thought I was going to be doing at this point in my life. I didn't think I was going to be the Berenstain Bears guy. I didn't think I was going to be the guy that people turn to when they hear about the Berenstain Bears. Not the guy who they turn to when they have questions about the Berenstain Bears, necessarily, but the guy who they turn to when they just hear something about the Berenstain Bears. Oh my gosh, did you hear about yada, 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 they might say, even though... No one ever really hears anything about the Berenstain Bears. You don't hear about the bears unless you're in the world of the Berenstain Bears, unless you are knee-deep in this world, because it, a lot of inf- not, not a whole lot of information leaks out. It's not—they're they're not at the cusp of popular culture. You know, they aren't, they aren't at Paw Patrol level of, like, identifiability. If you show the Berenstain Bears to most little kids, they won't have any idea what you're talking about. They won't say, oh, it's the Berenstain Bears. They'll be like, stop doing that. What are you doing? Why are you showing me a picture? stranger, strange person, please stop showing me that picture of the bears. It's weird. Don't do that. Don't just walk up to kids and talk to them. That would be very strange. So the long and short of it is I didn't actually come into this being like, all right, my episode of the, I was that kind of just like the Baron's Okay. What am I doing about the Berenstain bears? I don't have a guest lined up this week. I don't have like a, like a really like engaging a book to look at. We just did all that. Like, I feel like I just did like the Holy trio of like, message books and then did a nice little follow-up with that episode so i was like what am i doing and why am i so stressed and why don't i want to think about those bears so it hit me that the reason i don't want to think about those bears right now is because i am up to my ears in the bears see i'm putting together a one-person show at the end of may may 24th and it's going to be about this show and i realized i've been thinking a lot about the berenstain bears but not the stories, not the characters, not the themes or what what they're really all about, but more myself in relation to the bears. And that's kind of messing up my groove. It's kind of disrupting my desire to do this type of program. It's kind of I don't know. It's it's like when you observe something too closely and it stops behaving like it is. What's happening is I'm turning my critical eye on myself. And I'm suddenly able to do this show the way I've enjoyed doing it for, goodness, like four years now. So I was like, what should I give the people this week? What do they want to hear? Do they just want to hear what my thoughts are? Do they just want to hear about me? Do they care? Or are they like, we were looking forward to the next first time book. Or we were hoping you get to them Cub Club stories. Or whatever happened with those chapter books. You were really into the chapter books for a while. We know there's a handful of those left. So I guess I'll just give you this. Hey everyone, my name is Phil Gonzalez. Uh, I'm the host of Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bear cast, and I am 
terrified of dying. Like, seriously. Like, it is the one thing that I have no, like, like, there's just no, I have no problem talking about the fact that I am terrified of death. Like, terrified of, of the concept of death. Terrified about death in general. And it's not something like, Little, this isn't me trying to be cute. This isn't like, I'm afraid of clowns. And I know that there are some people who are afraid of clowns. Like, don't get me wrong. I understand there's, that's a legitimate fear that some people have. But I also know that a lot of people like to say they're afraid of clowns because that's like a funny thing to say. That's like, I'm terrified of clowns. I'm like, you're not really, you're not really terrified of clowns. That's not like a, you're not, you don't, like when people have an actual phobia of something, their body responds physically. They're not like mildly put off. They're not like, I'm going to have to dig up some hilarious memes about this. I'm so scared. That's not, but that's, so that's not what I'm talking about. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to be cute when I say I'm afraid of dying. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like make myself more appealing to you. As appealing as that might sound, I really like the guy who's afraid of dying. You're all saying to yourself, that sounds like someone I want to sit and talk to. No, what I'm saying is like, it's an actual like fear. This is a keep me up all night fear. This is a lie in bed with my head on the pillow, staring blankly out the window Fear, the sense of just like, ugh, death. And I know that that's not like anything special. I know that that's not, uh, it's not unusual. Like, it's not like, oh my God, this guy's afraid of dying. Like, that's, I think that's like baseline fear. I think that's like, in order to maintain life, you kind of have to have this fear of death. You can't be just like, whatever, I guess I just love the idea. Like, that's not how animals like evolve. Like, we have existed, like, human beings have existed for several million years and like life on the planet however many billions, mostly from this aversion to death, mostly from like basic microorganisms being like, that's going to kill me. I'll go the other way. So again, I understand it's not special, but I also understand that if you pulled like most random strangers off the streets and were like, what are you afraid of? They'd be like, go away. But they'd also be like, dying, like death, death, I guess. Or if you were like, if this was an episode of the family feud and you were like top five answers on the board, here's the question. Name something most people are afraid of. And you were like, uh, dying. And they would be like, ding, 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 ding. that's, that's right up there on the board. Like that's, you, it's a pretty short, that's a really, that's like a really dark episode of family feud to like, if that's like last season like final season ever like final week of the final season they'd be like let's just go with the death questions we're just gonna go with the death questions and then just rock it up there we're just gonna burn this whole show to the ground we're not gonna we're done with the family feud let's just get right to what makes people terrified and then then the show is done so i understand this is a common fear but it's not that i'm afraid of like the pain of death although i am and it's not that I'm afraid that like my loved ones won't be able to get along without me although they won't right? It's more that I don't know if once I'm gone, I've done enough in my life to leave behind. I don't know if I have had any kind of legacy, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Legacy, the sense that my life has built up an accumulation of something that will be here long after I'm gone. And I don't mean my kids. I don't, that's not, you can't just say my kid. Oh, your kids, what about, well, there's your kid. Cause that's not, that's nothing. That's a cop out. That's, anyone can say that. Well, at least I've got, you know, I didn't do much with my life, but at least there's always my kid. Like, no, no, it doesn't count. I mean, you know, like, I'm sure my kids will go off and do great things. That's fine, but I don't get to own that. That's not mine. That's not my legacy. You know, at best, they'll win an award one day and it'll be like, and I'd like to thank my father 
that's it. But that has nothing to do. So no, not my kids. They're great kids. And I ideally they will go on to wonderful. If they don't, that's fine. No pressure, kids. No pressure. They're not listening to this. My kids don't listen to my show. But no pressure. No pressure at all. So no, that doesn't count. What I'm saying is it's the notion that when I die, I don't want to just disappear. I don't want to just fade away. I don't want the last thing about me on earth to be this random memory in someone's head. Like that guy, like, huh, there was this guy I used to work with. I didn't know him very well. I don't even remember his name. I don't want to be like, that's the last sliver of, of knowledge about me on earth. And since, you know, and since I'm who I am and I am the way I am and I have no ambitions beyond what I am, I did a podcast about the Berenstain Bears. Like, that's kind of what built up to it. Like, the whole, like, when when people like me get, like, worried about, like, leaving things behind, they used to, like, like, I'll just say, like, I'm, you know, a, a, a moderately white guy, white, straight guy. And, you know, it used to be that when we would get this kind of, like, angsty, like, sense of, like, doom and gloom, we'd, like, run for office and start a war. That's, like, how you know, just white guys did it all throughout all throughout history, thousands of years. But then they invented podcasting. And a good chunk of those guys were like, I'll just sit in front of my microphone and I'll talk about popular culture. And then, I, then that'll be my legacy. And people will love me for it. And I don't have to run for office. And I don't have to, you know take like swing swing my arms wide and knock over as many things as possible and we love podcasts for that look what they did they kept us they kept us off the streets and out of office i hope more people realize that podcasts are good for that keep me away from important things but then again as far as like my existential dread goes it didn't really do a whole lot for the whole like legacy thing because looking back i'm like what have i done what have i done four years of a podcast about the berenstain bears Roughly, you know, 50 episodes a year, 54, you know, 200 hours, more or less. Some episodes are longer, some episodes are shorter. Let's say 250 hours of me talking about the Berenstain Bears. Is that, is that enough? Is that a real legacy? Are, in 75 years, are people going to be digging through like archive.org and being like, what's this? Oh. This guy talking about the Berenstain Bears for hours. Let's study this. Let's remember this. Let's build a statue for this guy. I don't want a statue, but I don't, this isn't about statues. It's about legacy. And one of the reasons I have just been harping on the idea of legacy this whole time is because on my 41st birthday, and stop me if you've heard this one, on my 41st birthday, me and Brad Mariska and Jeremy Gloff, my two collector guys, two collector boys, they're not boys, they're men, they're grown men, roughly, you know, in my era, my age. We went to Pennsylvania. We visited Mike Berenstain. You know this. I did a whole few episodes about it. We visited Mike Berenstain at his studio in Pennsylvania and went down. We, we saw how the sausage gets made. We saw him, his, his art desk, and we saw the scripts, and we saw the schedules, and we saw everything that builds up to and leads up to the publication of a Berenstain Bears book. We saw the process, and of course, the most glorious moment that I love talking about, that I've told the story of many times to people who are unfortunately ask about it, is when Mike was finally just like, you want to go down to the archives? And we were like, yes, uh, yes, sir, we do, yes. It's and we realized, like, you realize that all the stories he'd been telling, all the process stuff was kind of this, like, slow, dramatic build. Mike Berenstain's a storyteller, and... 
at that moment, it was very clear that he had been building up to this. Like he understands, uh, like, like, like the climax. Like, this is this is what you're waiting for. And so he was like, "Do you guys want to come down and see the archives?" And we just, you know, you did that thing that like adult men do, like forty some year old men do, where you sort of surge forward. You don't run, you don't push or shove because we're adults. But we got to the steps and uh, just. Which it just, walking down the stairs into the into the archives was this like you could hear every footfall. It seemed like we couldn't walk fast enough, but we weren't going to walk fast because, again, adults and you know, we weren't going to like make a fools of ourselves. And so we get down to the basement. It's it's not brightly lit. So Mike turns on the lights and just pop 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 like lights come up, just like like that gling that like, uh, you know what are those kind of lights? The tubes, the fluorescent bulbs, ding they come on, and all down. All down in front of us, just like shelves, just like rows and rows and rows of shelves and drawers and boxes and gleaming white. It looked like you were in a cathedral designed by Office Max. It was this like large, just, I mean, it was the size of a basement. It wasn't like huge. We weren't like in a warehouse. This wasn't the end of Indiana Jones, but it seemed big because it meant something big. Just like this aisle that you walk down and you know that behind all these cabinets and drawer poles and in these boxes and stuff is is what you've kind of been living your life around for the last few years this this creative world it's very antiseptic looking it's very it's very no bells and whistles this isn't a museum this is where they store stuff and we walk in and Mike's like, well, this is where it all is. What do you want to see first? And we were just like, oh, my God. Oh, right, right. We get to open this stuff. We get to look in this stuff. We get to see it. And I don't remember who it was, Brad or Jeremy. It was like, spooky old tree. And it took a little digging because they are still getting, they were still getting the archives in order at this point. But uh, he pulled out the spooky old tree, and it had in there, in in this folder, This it's, it was big and flat. It was like one of those long flat drawers. He pulled it out. He pulled out this big flat like folder and it was filled with all the drawings ever done for spooky old tree uh and the script every script page ever done for the spooky old tree and you could see where they had doodled their ideas and sketched their ideas and then colored their ideas where stan and jan had like worked on this book over a long period of time and changed things and developed things and thrown out ideas and mike's flipping through it and he was just like oh my god look at this Apparently, at some point, it was going to be a spooky old cave, and we looked, and there was a cave instead of a tree, and it was just mind-blowing, and in, on the pages were notes, handwritten notes, like in pencil and ink, and you could see where their hands had made an impression on the page, like actually like touched the page, and you realized as you looked through these papers that this was not just history, it was art, it was creativity it was tactile you could feel it on your fingertips you could smell it you could just sense it it was it was there it was living it was breathing in the room with you it was a legacy it was it was a legacy in this one folder if all they had ever done was create the book the spooky old tree there it was the legacy like right there wow look at that like they left all this behind they left this adorable book this cute book that meant a lot to people and they left behind all these ideas and processes and papers. 
And that was just one folder. There's every single book ever written in the Berenstain Bears line is represented in that archive. Hundreds of books from, from the most famous ones, from the Berenstain Bears and the Christmas tree to the Berenstain Bears go to the doctor, all the way to just stuff you've never even heard of. Uh, just pamphlets and papers and sketches they had to do for, you know, ideas and end pages for like uh, stationery and uh, just little filigree stuff, decorations around the corners of of, of, a, of a certificate or something, just little things, pictures of Weasel McGreed that were just dra drawn because they needed a picture of Weasel McGreed down in the corner of something. It just, just a world of creativity, a world of, of life and, and art and legacy. And not one person's legacy either, but a family's legacy. Here's, here's all the correspondence they had with Dr. Seuss. Here's Raffish Ralph talking with the Cubs. Here's a large, full-size drawing of Mama and Papa they did for the cover of Life magazine. Here is their, their paintings they did in art school. Here's uh, boxes of collectibles, like trinkets and toys and dolls and hardback copies of books that never sold because they weren't the popular books. And here's a manuscript of a story that was never published that Mike was like, I'm going to pilfer this for a few ideas for a future book. And the fact that it's a legacy going back decades that also is still alive, like he's carrying on their legacy. That's the thing about legacies is you get to pick them up. And if allowed, you get to carry them on. You get to bestow your legacy upon someone else if you want so that they can be a part of that legacy. And it's a legacy of a family and a family's creation and another family because you have the Berenstains and you have the Bears. You have Stan and Jan and Mike and Leo and you have Mama and Papa and Sister and Brother and sometimes Honey. But Mama, Papa, Sister, Brother. That's my Berenstain Bears family. And I'm looking and I'm like, and then there's me and Alana and my two kids and also my parents and me and my sister. There's these, these, these families that go down. And I guess in some weird way, I've become part of this legacy and not an important part, like not, not like a part that Mike Berenstain ever asked for, not a part that Stan and Jan were ever aware of, but it's a little bit of that. I get to ride the coattails of that just a little bit. I get to sort of scoot along next to it in its wake. Uh, but does that count? Is that fair? Does the critic get to be a part of the art's legacy if they're the only one talking about it? I don't know. Am I a critic? Mark, Mark, Mike called me their Berenstain Bears, I believe, cultural historian. So he gave me a title. I guess that's something. Will Mike miss me if I die? That's a hard question. If I died soon, within the next few years, would Mike find out? I'm sure he would. This is a weird avenue to go down, but it's one of those things I wonder about. And it's one of those things that keep me up at night. What happens to the show if I die before I'm done with this show? Would someone pick it up? I don't have anyone who's interested in doing it. Do podcasts have like a death legacy? Do they like leave their show to people? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that I'm scared that I'm not leaving the proper thing behind. That I'm just leaving hours and hours of me talking about these bears. And that's unsettling. But it's also invigorating. 
Because art can come out of being unsettled. It can come out of being unsatisfied. Stories can come out of that too. Uh, and there's a lot of great stories. There's a lot of great stories around the bears. There's a lot of great stories about me talking about the bears. I've met so many great people doing this show. I've met, I've solidified friendships. I've, I've talked to strangers. I've done live performances. It's, it's, it's something, but I don't know if it's a legacy. I don't know. The Berenstains have a legacy, a very long celebrated legacy. Deep in Bear Country is just a podcast. So that's kind of what this live show that I'm planning is all about. It's about this. It's a little funnier than this. It's a little livelier than this. But it's about being afraid of death and dying and not having anything to be remembered by. It's about reading the Berenstain Bears and realizing they've got their act together a lot more than I do. It's about Raffish Ralph, Ralph Ripoff. And the fact that he's my secretly favorite character in the... It's not so secret if you listen to the show, but he's my secret favorite character in the whole series. And it's about how the bears address everything except the thing that I'm most worried about, which is death and legacy. Unless they address it simply by being it. I don't know. Do they? Does it work like that? Does that count? Who knows? I don't know. I was in a really foul mood when I started tonight. I didn't want to talk about the bears. I didn't want to talk about the Berenstain Bears. It was overwhelming. A lot of sad things have happened recently. Bad news coming down the pike. Uh, you know, things happening with friends. Things happening with friends of friends. Things happening with family members of friends sad news in the news, and this endless winter. If you've been in the Midwest, this winter has just been brutal. And it wears on you. And it makes you not want to get up. It makes you not want to leave the house. It makes you not want to do things. I Right before I sat down to, to record, I had to rush out of the house because Alana was stuck on the ice. She just pulled out of the garage and she couldn't move because her car was just stuck on a ridge of ice. That's just what this winter has been like. It's just over and over again. And it I think it was just wearing on my psyche. I think it has been wearing on my psyche. But I feel better now. I kind of talked. I think I feel better. Is it fair to use this podcast to like make myself feel better? Heck yes. Heck yes it is. Of course it is. This is my show. I'm not getting paid to do this. I'm getting a wonderful small amount of money from my very few patrons who are amazing people. Thank you so much, patrons. You're wonderful. I love each and every one of you. I swear I'll be back in contact with all of you soon. Mwah. Chef's kiss to all of you. Thank you so much for, for supporting me, helping me keep this show on the air. I love it. I love it. I love it. Patreon.com forward slash deep in bear country. But I don't get paid to do this show. And so it's just for me to be here. Like it's just for me to talk about Berenstain Bears. One of my ideas was that I should do a few episodes of the TV show that I'm never going to get to because the books don't cover them. Like they're not based on the books. So that was one idea. The other idea was just to grab a random book and do it, but I think I needed to talk about this. I think I needed to talk about what this show has done to me. And what this show has done to me is worry about the future and worry about death and dying. But in a fun way. In a fun way. God, maybe this is a terrible ending. Maybe I should go out with a bang. I know what I'll do. 
I'll go out with a bang. I am going to select a episode of a TV show at random, and I'm going to talk about it. Here we go. All right, here we go. All right, I did Berenstain Bear Roulette, and I ended up watching the Berenstain Bears episode, Big Bear, Small Bear, based not on the book Big Bear, Small Bear, because that would be weird, because that is a very simple uh, reading book. This is a story about Brother Bear gets allowed to let Sister in the house after school because he is now a big bear, and so he can take care of things after school on his own. He proves to be so responsible that his father, Papa Bear, decides to let him help around uh, with chores, like big bear chores, and so he does. But because he's helping his papa out so much, he neglects his friends and they play without him. And papa ends up being like, you know what? There's also important things for kids to do too, which is learn and run around and play. And so Brother Bear's like, great, but I can still help you out when I want to, right? And he's all sure. And that's really pretty much it. So Big Bear, Small Bear, uh, what do I think of it? It was a good episode. All right, you can find me at berenstainbearcast.wordpress.com. You can find me on Twitter at bstainbearcast. And please, please, please go to patreon.com forward slash deep in bear country. Throw a few butts my way. I'll be back next week, though, with a real book, with a real live episode of Berenstain Bears. And if you're in the Twin Cities, May 24th, Moon Palace Books. Come on down and check me out. Watch me do my show. It's either going to be great it's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Let's just keep saying it's going to be great and it will become great. How far along with it am I? <laughs> Good times. All right. And I will see you all next time deep in bear country. <laughs>